airways Here is my request You don't have to play it But I hope you'll do your best I've been listening to your show on the radio And you seem like a friend to me Howdy hi, Victoria Stand the man Hello Oh, don't get up, it's only me. Hello, welcome to a brand new year. I'm Liz. I'm Pete. 1420 3XY. How are you? It's nine after six with Lee Simon. It's 18 to six. 3DB with Keith McGowan. More grand old favourites to play for you a little later on. 3 E, the Breeze 693. Good morning and welcome to our brand new radio station. Good afternoon, Melbourne. It's seven minutes past three. This is Greg Evans at 1420 3XY. Well, hi and welcome once again to Pilots of the Airwaves. It is our 30 minutes or so where we get to speak to the people behind the voices who are friends to a whole generation. And today's guest is a true pioneer of Australian radio. He started off as a most happy fella and then helped steer Melbourne radio station 3KZ through some of its most successful eras. Radio 3KZ Hey, Jim Hilke, welcome to Pilots and thanks for joining us. Look, it's a pleasure to be here. I hope I can help. Hey, I'm sure you can. Childhood Jim, what were some of the highlights and where did you get your radio inspiration from? I grew up in Brighton, uh, in Melbourne, and uh, I used to listen to uh, Nicky and Graham on 3UZ and I reckon that that sort of got me really interested in radio. Now, your first assignment was up at 3SH in Swan Hill. What was life like up on the Murray there, Jim? Oh, look, it was all right. I, was, um, I went to um, the Vincent School of Broadcasting, and Bill Roberts was the bloke that uh, ran that. And he rang me and said, look, there's, there's two jobs going. And uh, so I went to see him, and he said, there's a job at um, Taree and a job at Swan Hill. But I had no idea where Taree was. (laughs) So I took the Swan Hill job. So I went up there on the Murray and uh, I had two years up there and it was uh, was a good start. In 1958, the move was to 3BA Ballarat, one that lasted quite a few years. Oh, Ballarat was a a totally different kind of an organisation. I enjoyed Ballarat. In fact, we built a... uh, uh, we built a house at Mount Clear, which is on the way up to Bananyong. And uh, I got quite settled in there. And they were very upset when I left. They said, oh, we have big plans for you. And <laughs> but uh, I wanted to come back to Melbourne. Of course, the mid-60s was to the big smoke and 3KZ. What were your initial duties when you arrived? I was... Um, Oh, I'm just trying to remember now. I was on the air. I was an announcer. That's what I was put on to do. Brighton, 3KZ. 
time on the brighter is seven and a half minutes after seven o'clock. Seven and a half past seven on the Jim Hilke Saturday morning breakfast show. Here is the number of another missing dollar. Yes, here we go with the number of one of the missing dollars. One of them that's been spent, and so it's in circulation. You may have it in your pocket, and girls, you might have it in your purse. This dollar that I'm about to read out. If you have it, um, bring it to 3KZ, 64 Elizabeth Street before Saturday next, and you receive a reward of $11.80. Not a very costly promotion, that one, Jim. Listen, who did you replace when you did come to 3KZ? Phil Gibbs was just leaving to go to uh, Channel O, as it was in those days. And uh, I sort of replaced him. Now, the Most Happy Fellas promotion was a very successful one with the likes of John Royce, Dean Reynolds, yourself, Keith Livingston, Rex Mitchell and John Bright as one of the early lineups. In those days, it was very much personality-driven, so how did all you guys get along together? Oh, terrific. Now we all got along very, very well. There was no, uh, there was no bickering or feuding or anything like that. No, no, I have to say it was all pretty good. One of the big things, of course, in those days was the fan cards. Uh, who used to distribute those? Kevin O'Gorman did, because that was his job. He was the uh, he looked after all of the, in latter years, after he'd been on the air, he was looking after all the publicity for the station. Now, Jim, television was in its infancy at the time, but posed a real threat to the future of radio. How conscious were you as a station of that threat, and what strategies, if any, did you put in place at the time to counter it? Uh, no, well, first of all, just historically, television started in Australia or in Melbourne in 1956, and it, coincidentally, it was when I went to Swan Hill in 1956, and uh, I hadn't seen television. There was no, none up there, and, uh, oh, you know, it was, it was one, a magical thing. Not many people had them. Um, later on, of course, television has become something totally different and uh, everyone's got one and they use it for what they use it. And uh, I, I don't think it's supplanted radio. Radio's changed a lot over the years. Of course, another big name on KZ at the time was Stan Rofe. What was Stan like to work with, and what influence over the local music scene did he have, even in those early days? Oh, he, he, he was big time. Stan the man. Um, uh, he, he was big time, and uh, uh, he, was the, he was the big music man. He had a big influence. So why do you think Stan was so successful on radio? I, I, I think he, um, it's what he played. He played some pretty good music and, uh, yeah, he chose most of it himself, I think. Now, beach broadcasts were a fairly standard practice for most radio stations in the 60s. Were they lots of fun or just, just plain hard work? Ah, uh, no, they were, they, I reckon they were good fun. There was a, certainly a lot of work involved, setting them up and getting them running and, sort of looking after the people there. Now, we had... Uh, but, uh, but I enjoyed that. That was good. Now, given the number of stations that did OBs, did you guys end up sharing your location so the two stations wouldn't end up on the same beach? No. No. 
we really didn't talk to anybody about those sorts of things. Football on KZ. Now, of course, sport was another significant feature of KZ at the time, especially those football broadcasts with Phil Gibbs, as we mentioned before, then Harry Beitzel and Rod McLeod, and, of course, the captain and the major. The Big H and Jack Dyer, both larger-than-life figures in football, how important were those broadcasts for the station and its identity? Oh, terrific. Terrific. Um, I reckon we were the leading uh, footy broadcaster you know, Phil Gibbs was doing it, and then uh, Ian Major and Jack Dyer. And what a team they were. They were great. Yeah, they got on well together. Now, Jim, one of the more significant appointments in the 60s was that of Les Heil as manager. What did Les bring to the station, and how was he received? Les came from 3UZ, and he had a totally different outlook. I got on very well with Les at the time. And uh, uh, no, he, he had a, a lot of interest in everything that was going on. No, he, he was very good to work with in those days. Now, is it fair to say that Les's ideas weren't totally aligned with those of Stan, which in fact caused Stan to move to 3UZ? Oh, I think so. Yes, Les was one for, for putting in systems. And I think Stan used to... Uh, you know, like to do his own thing and get his own music and stuff. Now, throughout your time at KZ, you did have some pretty healthy competition coming out of 45 Burke Street. Where do you think those two stations were similar, but probably more importantly, how were they different? Oh, well, UZ was really like a top 40 station, and we weren't at KZ. UZ used to outrate us. They were, they, you know, they were, they, we we were much more. Oh, I don't know how to describe it. What we did, but um, they were a straight up top forty station, and they had a big audience. Jim, looking through the old three KZ schedules, there are segments such as Labor Talks, Waterside Workers Federation, and the Voice of Labor. How aligned was the station with the Labor Party at the time, and do you think the association affected your listening audience? It's interesting you say that. I don't think it did affect anything much um, because we had all of those those things. I mean, when I was on the air in the morning, somebody came in and did the voice of Labor and they would sit and talk. And they were all nice people. Um, I probably didn't agree with what they were saying half the time, but I didn't say anything about that because it was their their time. Now, in the 60s in Melbourne, there were three significant charities that were heavily supported. Channel 9 with the Urella Telethon, of course, Channel 7 and the Royal Children's Hospital Appeal, and 3KZ and Carols by Candlelight for the Victorian Institute for the Blind. Tell us about your involvement in that iconic event. Well, Carol, Carols, of course, is uh, I remember very, very well because I was a compare of Carols for uh, a few years. And, uh, you know, it was something to get up on the stage of the Sydney Maya Music Bowl in front of, in those days, about 50,000 people. And if you dropped a, uh, a pretty weak joke and uh, a quarter of them laughed, that's a bloody lot of people laughing. Um, but uh, 
No, uh, Carols by Candlelight was a a terrific uh, show. And uh, unfortunately, that's one of the things that Les Isle got rid of. He said, in his mind, it cost too much. Okay, Jim, let's fast forward to the 80s and another golden era for KZ with Pete and Liz heading the flagship breakfast program. What can you tell us about Pete Meehan and Liz Sullivan, both individually and collectively? Well, uh, they were two very different sort of people and uh, it was almost like an unlikely teaming of of them. But on air, there was just some magic about them. And uh, I used to go in there and uh, do things like the 60-minute challenge. I did that uh, almost every week. We did a few things like that together. They, they were a good team. Hello, who's there? Alan. Alan, where are you calling from, pal? Eltham. Eltham? Yeah. Do you reckon you can get into 3KZ by 7 o'clock this morning? Yeah, sure, Peter. Good on you. Do you want to take up the 60-minute challenge, do you? Sure do. I want to hear you say for you, Peter, me, and I'm prepared to do anything at all. For you, Peter Man, I'm prepared to do anything at all. What about for Liz Sullivan? Yep, and for you, Liz. Oh, thank you, darling. We go out to Jim Hilke. Good morning, Jim. G'day, there, Pete. How are you doing? Oh, it's great. Great out here. Lovely morning. Is yeah. it crisp and cold, Jimbo, is it? Yeah, I'm sitting in the car at the moment, right at the upper base of the, uh, the, the great tower of the Regent Hotel on Collins Street. Have you got the heater going? Uh, I've got it. Yes, I have. As a matter of fact, it's quite comfy. Oh, <laughs> good one. Yeah. And I believe you have Alan Mantos with you this morning, Jim. I sure do. G'day, Alan. G'day, Jim. How you doing, Al? Good. Ah, good one. Are you feeling warm as well? Uh, it's a bit cold out here, but I'll warm up quickly. Have you got your school bag with you with your pocket calculator in it? Oh, I sure have, Liz. All right, your ruler and school books? Yes. You're ready to go. OK, we'll let Jim explain what you have to do up there at the Melbourne Regent this morning. OK, OK, Alan. Right in front of you there is this great big building. Pretty big, isn't it? Yeah, sure is. You're going to finish up with a sore neck here this morning, lad. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what, what you've got to do is count all of the windows in the tower, with the exception of the ground floor ones, the shop windows we don't want counted, but all of the rest of the, the, the windows in that entire building. So it means we're going to have to go around the block. We want all of the windows in the building, OK? Yes, OK. I'll give it a go. you got to know how to do it, Pete. Gee, you're generous, Jim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does he get for his trouble? Nothing. Mm, sounds a bit harsh there, Jim. I'm sure Alan did get something. Hey, listen, what was more satisfying, sitting behind the microphone or sitting behind the desk in a managerial role? Oh, they were both, both very interesting because I always, when I was sitting behind the desk in a, in a managerial role, as you say, I, I always I was very close to the people on air, very close to the people in the office. And uh, they were always good times. I enjoyed them all and uh, managed to sort of blend them together. You were at KZ for a very long time. Were there ever any thoughts of moving on or were there any offers that came your way that had you tempted? Yeah, I was happy to stay there. I did a lot of production work, recorded a lot of ads, uh, particularly when I was up at the Trades Hall because I was right next door to the studio, my office. And uh, Ray King, who was the, uh, the production bloke, he would uh, come and get me and we'd go and spend half an hour recording ads. And... Uh, I recorded hundreds and hundreds of them. Finally, Jim, do you listen to much radio these days? Very little. 
I, I sit and do crosswords. Music of 3KZ. Hey, the most happy fella, Jim Hilke, is our special guest today. And Jim, just a couple of quick questions. The last concert ticket you paid for, can you remember? No, I can't remember paying. <laughs> they were just, <laughs> they were all free. Well, let's face it, there had to be a couple of lurks and perks, didn't there? Hey, Jim, was there ever a time in your career when you thought you might get those Don't Come Monday orders? I can remember um, the manager at uh, Ernie White's at 3BA coming in one day telling me off for something, and I can't remember what it was, but he straightened me up. 60s was a big music time, a preference between the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. Uh, I didn't like the Stones much, but the Beatles I liked. Jim, do you have a most treasured piece of memorabilia from those radio days that you've still got? Yeah, the scrapbook's uh, full of stuff, and it's, it's a mess. When you rang the other day, I went and had got it out, and uh, it was a bag full of... Uh, big old plastic bag full of cuttings and books and stuff. Yeah. Can you recall the biggest news stories that broke while you were on air? Yeah, the Faraday kidnapping was a big one. The Russell Street bombing. Was there an on-air rival that you actually admired from afar? Not really. No, no. There were some pretty good uh, talents on the air when I was on the air. There are now, I think. Hey, Jim, as we said originally, you are a true pioneer. And it's been a pleasure spending some time with you today to reminisce about an exceptional radio career. Thanks very much for being part of Pilots of the Airwaves. Hey, look, it's a pleasure, Paul. Hope it all goes well. Jim Hilke on Pilots of the Airwaves. (laughs) 